He's meant to be playing Paolo Gucci, not meant to be playing Super Mario. <laughs> That's true. Hello and welcome back to episode 21 of Double Reel. This is the second reel of our monthly magazine-style podcast for film nerds. Hopefully you've caught up with the first reel, had a brief intermission, and refueled, ready to take on this mighty second instalment of Nerdy Film Chat. If you haven't caught the first reel yet, please do go back to your app and download and listen to it, so you're up to date with all the features we've covered already this month. These include our roundup of news and spotlight on some of the new films we watched this month, our classic and recommended feature, The Handmaiden, our hidden gem, The Fisher King, the one that got away about Barry Levinson's The Captain and the Shark, and our remake hate watch of Sergeant Bilko. Now in Real 2, we bring you our big conversation where we tackle a weighty topic and give it a fuller, i.e. longer discussion. This month, our big conversation slot will be devoted to the inaugural annual Double Real Awards for 2021. Uh, so, first of all, let me welcome back my co-host of the podcast. Welcome, James. Thanks for having me back. Excited to get into this. It's a nice, juicy, interesting topic that we can discuss. Yeah, so these are... so the, like the other sort of award ceremonies, although their, their dates can be a bit weird, um, where this is the the annual awards we've decided to give uh, off our own bat. Anyone can set up an awards uh, ceremony if they really want to. Um, and it's for all the films we watched in 2021. Um, rule's pretty simple. We have to have watched it. It had to have its first release in the calendar year 2021. We're not doing any of this kind of eligibility till the 15th of January shit that you get on like some of the other ones. If it was released between... Uh, uh, 1st of um, January 2021 and December 31st 2022 uh, and that was its like its initial release uh, and uh, you know either straight to streaming or into cinemas um, then and we watched it then we'll talk about it for the film um, for the film awards and other than that it's kind of we're not going to be I don't think well I don't think James, either of us are planning to be like, oh, we're not, we liked this film that we watched, but it's not an awards film, so I'm not going to give it awards. So we think something's the best film or someone gave the best performance. It doesn't matter if it's a Marvel film or a, you know, fucking foreign film with subtitles, right? Yep, I, I agree. Um, I think it just, I think the basis of it is a film that we have to have to have seen. We can't speculate about yeah, yeah. films that you've seen or I've seen, you know. <clears throat> yeah, so, um, other than that, we'll, we'll kind of do sort of broadly the big awards that get handed out at, at the big ceremonies. Um, I mean, I think, for example, I don't think there's any point in us differentiating, differentiating between adapted screenplay and original screenplay. Let's just do screenplay, because um, I don't think either of us has seen enough films, you know, to, you know, and you can, you know, we don't make this like a, a five-hour award show. And then once we've done kind of those awards, the ones that interest us, we're going to kind of throw a few, you know, awards out there that don't normally get done at the Oscars or the other ones uh, and then after that we might have a little chat about the upcoming kind of actual award shows that are coming I mean the Golden Globes were just given out but the Oscars are coming up uh, and you know and then following on from that you tend to get you know all your you know your Venice uh, Cannes Golden Bear through the rest of the year so we'll we'll have a, a little chat about what we think is going to win uh, or what films we think are going to uh, you know, going to be of interest during that season. So, um, <clears throat> why don't we start sort of in the format of that the Oscars have, uh, and usually one of the first or the first award they give out is uh, best supporting actor. Um, so, w w I'll I'll just throw out my nominees for this um, for best supporting actor, and then you can uh, you know check out yours, and we'll see 
see if we can agree on one between us, right? I mean, obviously, we had a go at the Golden Globes for their, you know, small voting pool and lack of diversity. So here's two white guys voting in all the categories, where the the worst of all. Um, But my my nominees for this are Sylvester Stallone for The Suicide Squad, (laughs) Adam Driver for The Last Duel. (laughs) Fuck's sake. Oh, that caught me so off guard. Honestly, I thought that would be the first name that you you threw out there. Um, Jesse Plemons for Judas and the Black Messiah and Joel Edgerton for The Green Knight. Just to um, uh, just clarify, I think we're counting One Night in Miami as having come out uh, this uh, in twenty twenty one, aren't we, mate? Because I think it's it's a UK streaming release was uh, uh, Um, was in January, I think. I suppose it depends because it's already been considered for the Oscars. Yeah. Over there, but I didn't see. It, I think till after the Oscars were yeah, done. The, the, I think or yeah, was the, it before. I can't remember. Yeah, the Oscars are a bit weird like that. For example, there, there was at least one film uh, that was uh, considered for the Oscars last year. They didn't come out till February, um, which mm. was kind of odd. So its its release date was. 2020 in the United States, but I think it's released onto streaming outside of festivals, because I don't think we count the festivals. Uh, uh, yeah, streaming released January 15th, 2021. So I'm counting One Night in Miami as a, as a film from last year. Okay. Um, then, yeah, obviously we'll have Sam Cook in there. Yeah, it's I not mean, Sam I'm, Cook, Leslie Odom Jr. for playing so, Sam Cook. Yeah, you see, I... I well, why don't you tell me who you think your supporting actor nominations are? Because I've got Leslie Odom Jr. at... at I, I was I was assessing him as a as a lead actor. Um, I also had Adam Driver for the um, the last duel. Um, who else did I have? Um, that was the same as yours. I had Joel Edgerton for the Green Knight. Um, from the films I've seen this year. Um, I kind of went quite nostalgic with this, just for the pure memory of it all. Um, but I had Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield for spoiler alert Spider Man No Way Home. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, I mean that's all right. Yeah, so so I mean we've got some of the same ones. Um, so obviously Sylvester Stallone you haven't named, even though you 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 did say last year that's one of your favourite characters ever. Are you not are you not putting him forward as a as, um, as the best? Of I just you? hadn't really thought of it in that sense. But I guess yeah, fuck it, he can go in. I think I I think I actually had four for this one because um, I've seen a lot of shit films this year. Um, yeah, so I mean, of mine, I I love Sylvester Stallone. I love the way Adam Driver played his part. One of the one of the things about yeah, the last duel, one of the things about the last duel, is there's so much subtlety in that film. I thought, you know, the way in which when they replay the 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 incident three times, the, um, the many of the differences between the stories are quite quite subtle but important. And I thought Adam Driver's performance was absolutely spot on for that. Um, because he su- subtly from, you know, the, the, you know, in contrast to Matt Damon, who I still think was very good in the film as well, um, at, you know, Matt Damon's kind of lurches were, you know, his version of the story was what a nice bloke he was to his wife. And then it emerges he's really not like that. Uh, Adam, Driver had a, 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 Adam Driver had a slightly harder job, which I think did brilliantly well, to kind of show that underneath that kind of very winning personality, he's quite slimy. And I thought the way he portrayed that was really very clever. Um, Jesse Plemons was very good. I think is this kind of he he put this sort of friendly, nice face on the fact that he's kind of brutally exploiting uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character and essentially sanctioning the assassination of American citizens. 
for doing nothing other than um, you know exercising their right to to be a political party. It's quite fascist, but he put he put such a smiley rationalizing face on i thought that was very good and i also really like joel edgerton in the green knight because i think his um the way he kind of played his character and the way he kind of um the sort of strange slightly manic personality that sort of fed are we watching a dream is this really happening or is something slightly different to what we're watching happening kind of atmosphere to that film but um would you would you pick one out of your nominees that you'd say yeah he's my favorite I really did like the last duel. I thought it was a very well told story. Um, who did you have? Was, down, who did you have down as your supporting actor nominee for that? Adam Driver. Uh, yeah, but I also wanted to give Al Pacino a little shout out for House of Gucci because yeah, uh, he was very good. Uh, Jared Leto was shit again. So he's um, he's been nominated for a Screen Actors Guild Award for supporting actor. Can you fucking believe that? He's actually awful. I cannot, cannot, cannot believe that he's actually been nominated for an award for that. Although Mark Kermode predicted it. Um, fucking hell. Um, yeah, I, I thought. Look, look, actually, thinking about it, yeah, Al Pacino in House of Gucci, he was excellent as well. Like, like he was, you know, really, really nice and cuddly and friendly one minute, and a total shitbag the next. Just it was Al Pacino doing what he does best. Just Al Pacino. It's ve- it's very good. Um, and I cannot believe Jared Leto's been put forward for consideration for the uh, for an actual acting performance. For yeah, it's um, a bit foul, but. Uh, so can you can you put your name to one or <laughs> probably Adam Driver? Yeah. Well, given that we've got a consensus, let let's go Adam Driver because he was on my list as well, and I think he was one of the people that jumped out to me. So uh, the the first ever double reel award uh, for supporting actor in a in a film in twenty twenty one goes to Adam Driver for the Last Jewel. Congratulations, Adam! I know you're listening. Um, we'll send you your book token Ooh. after we're done. A postal order for fifty pence is on its way to you. Um, I don't think the last year got nominated for any awards in the end. It has. It didn't get nominated for any Golden Globes. Um, I haven't seen what the Screen Actors Guild nominations are. Are the Oscar nominations not out yet? No, not till next month. Am I being dumb? Or maybe the end of this month, but I don't think the Oscar nominations are out yet. It's not yeah. being predicted to get many, um, but no, I don't think the Oscar nominations are, are, are done yet. Oh, it must have been the Globes I read. Yeah, yeah. Um, it looks like, interestingly, how Gucci has done better at the box office and is, going to, and is going to get nominated for more awards than The Last Duel. But I think of the two, The Last Duel is the better film. That's just the way it goes sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so that's supporting actor. Um, supporting actress, uh, same deal. Uh, people who were in a non-leading performance in films we watched in 2021. Um, why, why don't you go through the people you uh, nominated from the films you watched, mate? Okay, so it was kind of hard because I felt like it was a kind of Judas in the Black Messiah moment for this, but I wasn't sure whether to put Jodie Comer in this category or in leading actress. Yeah, I know what you mean. It could have been uh, could have been either. I think I've got her down as a nominee for um, uh, lead actress, but if you want to say she's uh, she's supporting, um, I'll. Um, you know what? I'll put her in lead actress. Fair enough. Um, so for mine, I went with Millicent Simmons from A Quiet Place Part Two. Okay. Um, I don't think she gets spoken about enough. She's. Um, mm-hmm. I thought she was very, very, uh, yeah, very good in it. Um, from the last jewel, I went with um, Harriet Walter, who plays um, Jean de Carreau's mum. Yes, yes, she is very. good. She's not in it very long, but she's very, very good in that. Yeah, she has a big impact. And. 
I was actually really struggling. Who, who do you have? Because I really struggled so, with this. So, yeah, fun, funnily enough, I, I, I thought Millicent Simmons was great, and I, I wasn't sure whether she would be count as the lead or support in A Quiet Place 2. I've got Emily Blunt for A Quiet Place 2. Okay. Um, I've got Dominique Fishback for Judas and the Black Messiah. Right. Um, she was one of the key members of the Black Panther Party. I thought she was very good. Alicia Vikander for The Green Knight. I thought she did a really nice job of kind of unsettling oh, yeah. everyone on screen. Anya Taylor-Joy for Last Night in Soho, because despite my reservations about that film overall, I thought she was fantastic mm, in it. Yeah. Um, and Anna Diarmas from No Time to Die. Okay. Because um, I thought she completely kicked ass in that. Yeah. Um, I'm not... Put it this way, I, I wouldn't kind of storm out, you know, fuming if Millicent Simmons won this, because I thought she was terrific. I know she's playing a part she's already played before, but she plays, uh, you know, the she did have to give a different performance this time because, you know, there's a lot of loss and trauma from the first film that that is, you know, part of what her character goes through in this film. And uh, she has to kind of, lead, you know, lead off and, you know... Uh, go on a you know kind of a new you know a new story so i thought i thought she was really good and i you know you know wouldn't wouldn't be against her um i'm not sure i mean I, honorable nomination um for zazie beat from uh, the heart of the fall i thought she was very good in that yeah 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 i like yeah she, i like um, her performance so i would go with harriet walter for my nominations again it was hard because there weren't there were sort of like half and half ones where you could like there was there's mm-hmm. there were quite a few actresses and sort of like supporting but also leading roles yeah so i'll tell you what you know looking back on it let's uh let's actually go with harriet walter because i thought she she gave a very very good performance not only was it the way she gave the performance but she had to kind of express that and I know we're talking about medieval times, but I, I remember when we reviewed that film, we thought it was very interesting and perhaps uncomfortable how relevant aspects of that film still are 700 years later. Years, yeah, like 800 that, yeah. or 700 years later. And um, there is that sort of older generation women going, almost like, I went through this, so what are you complaining about? Do you know what I mean? That kind of attitude. Yeah, back that, in like, my day. Yeah, and when, and, when, and when women today go, look, we're not going to stand for that shit. The previous generation going, well, you know, what makes you so special? You know? And I thought she she did a very good job of portraying that, and also yeah. kind of that kind of uh, you know matriarchal figure. So yeah, let, let, let's let's put the put the stamp on that. Harry, best supporting actress uh, for films in twenty twenty one is Harriet Walter for The Last Jewel. There's a pattern uh, kind of occurring here. Yeah. Um, well, the the Last Jewel is doing better in awards uh, for us than it is in. Uh, oh, for I forgot people. to say, uh, Marisa Tomei. She, she didn't deserve to win, but Marisa Tomei for Spider Man No Way Home, just because I think she's been the best non Spider Man character out of all the Spider Man franchises. Yeah, yeah, very good. And I think it came as a big surprise to everyone when Spider Man Homecoming came out, didn't it? So, um, no Way Home. Sorry. So yeah, but when when Homecoming first came out, oh sorry, it's like blimey, Aunt May's hot now. Wait, <laughs> I was watching some sort of quiz show the other day, and they were talking about who played Aunt May um, in uh, in the the recent Spider Man films. And you know when they're conferring trying to work it out, and you're going, "Oh, no, Marissa Tomei can't play Aunt May; she's not old enough." And they were totally baffled to find out that Marissa Tomei had played oh, Aunt dear. May. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so yeah, so so. Yeah, but I agree on Royal Mention. I, I did like her. I think she provided a really strong, especially in those recent films, sort of moral centre to the film, didn't she? Um, you know, and, and I think sometimes when you're not one of the costumed, you know, adventurers in those movies, it can be a bit of a thankless task, and I think she did stand out. 
But yeah, um, our award goes to Harriet Walter um, for the last duel. Uh, congratulations, Harriet. Um, so we're now two awards into our um, our inaugural ceremony. So the, the next award I've got on the list is uh, Best Screenplay, uh, either adapted or original. I mean... When I added it up, I, I think I'll, you know new films that I watched are maybe like twenty last year, because of the first few months nothing's coming out in the cinema anyway, and we, you know, we we have focused in the podcast on you know watching the films we watch for our features. So when you when you've not watched that, you know, when you've not watched all the films like the film reviewers do, I think it's kind of probably better to streamline this one and say it's best screenplay of whatever feature, whether it's original or, or adapted from another medium. So. The, the ones I've got down as my nominations for this as Best Screenplay is The Last Duel, <laughs> One Night in Miami, yeah. the, the Green Knight, uh, Dune, uh, and The White Tiger. And my nominations for this are kind of for different reasons. I, th- I thought structurally the writers had to do a really good job in The Last Duel because the, that Rashomon-style replaying of the same incident three times... Uh, and, and hanging all that together and still having a gripping uh, kind of what's going to happen climax at the end of it um, had that had to be very well written and the yeah. the way in which the 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 very clever differences between you know because it wasn't it wasn't like hitting you over the head this is how different the accounts are it's uh, it I thought it was quite subtly done and 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 I, and I think the writing has to take a lot of credit for that one night in Miami is. I mean, to be honest, it's based on a play, and I think it's the playwright adapting his own play. So, uh, you know, you've still got to make it work as yeah. a film. And first of all, the words the words that he wrote, the dialogue, the speeches are all fantastic. So the writer's got to take some credit for that. And taking something that was a stage play and it's still working as a film, I think that does take some work. Green Knight, I just thought was very beautifully done. I'm not sure how much of that was down to the writing as opposed to kind of the overall putting it together. Dune is a is a is a film where people have failed to successfully adapt before, so credit there. And I just thought The White Tiger was overall really excellent. I loved the book, the original book, and I thought they really brought it to life really well on the screen. So that's why I nominated them. What, what have you got down as, as your screenplay it, choices? I had all of those apart from The White Tiger because I've yeah. not seen um, The White Tiger. I put um, I put Suicide Squad in. I thought the plot to Suicide Squad was... Yeah, it was. Very I mean, good. I thought it I was think, funny. I thought it was well written. It was. Um, yeah, I mean, just one example of how well of how well done Suicide Squad and and is in the writing is that whole bit where um, uh, the the really romantic kind of interlude with um, uh, Harley Quinn and the the South American kind of dictator guy, and then the whole rug pull at the end of it and the speech she gives at the end was absolutely spot on. Yeah. And and I think again, it's another one where you can watch the previous version of Suicide Squad and go, "Well, that's how to do it wrong," and the new one is how to do it right. And getting that tone right in the script, I think, was very important. So yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I think they did, they did a very nice job there. Any other nominees? Um, no, I'd go with that. Who are we, who are you picking? Right. Um. Draw me to go first because I picked mine in your. Go on. Who's who's your favorite? Artist? I would go with One Night in Miami purely because I don't think it was necessarily out and out better than, um, see, um, the last jewel or June, but the fact that he's was it he or she? Can't remember the guy who wrote it. The guy who wrote it is is a guy, yeah. So the fact that he managed to write a successful stage play and then translate that 
to the screen, I think, is credit to how good of a writer or how yeah. it's, well he's done yeah, with that. Kemp Powers, yeah. Um, you know what? I'm going to agree with you on that. I thought it was it was beautifully written. I mean, honestly, some of those speeches and just, just the little bits where Malcolm X is playing a bunch of Sam Cooke records and song by song by song he's kind of indicting whether Sam Cooke is kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... And at the same time, it kind of really nicely. They haven't got, you know, they haven't got a car chase. I don't think anyone throws any punches without resorting to kind of any sort of cheap thrills to kind of give you some drama. He just really kind of creates all kinds of tension and uh, and confrontation between friends that and t- and takes them somewhere. He takes them and the story somewhere, you know, physically up onto the roof and then back down again and all of that. But yeah, so. The inaugural Best Screenplay Award on the, on the Double Reel Awards for 2021 goes to Kemp Powers for One Night in Miami. And uh, very well done, sir. The next one is Best Original Score. So best, you know, best, you know, composed music for for the films that came out last year. Have you got, uh, have you got, you know, got any favourites that uh, that jump out for you? Um, and I know that Hans Zimmer got nominated for Dune, but I didn't think Dune was actually that special. You you watched it, yeah? Yeah, uh, I know it won, but. I don't know. Um, the other nominees this year are pretty weak, but if it means Hans Zimmer has a chance of winning best score again, then he also did the score for one uh, for No Time to Die, didn't he? Yeah, that didn't get nominated. I didn't even think the score for No Time to Die was actually that memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, actually, I am a big, big uh, fan of Hans Zimmer's Dune score. I mean, the hard, the hard thing with with the Hans Zimmer's scores when he's trying to achieve a specific effect. I don't think it's up there with something like Inception or, or Interstellar, but the way in which he infused music with the sound design of the film, I thought was absolutely ingenious. Uh, and I remember coming out thinking that the music had really had a huge, powerful effect on me when I watched it. And I, I, I thought he was re- he was really good. He is my pick. Um, you know, I, I thought I thought No Time Time was okay. I thought The Last Duel. Nicely done. I thought the music in the Green Knight was great it, 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 within the, the, the confines of the film. I don't think it, it's the strongest year in terms of the films we watch, but I mean, I, I would, I would actually die in a ditch and say the cinematography for, uh, sorry, the score for for, for Hans Zimmer for Dune is worthy of an award. Yeah, I mean, I will, I will agree with that if it means Hans Zimmer is winning an award. Yeah, um, I think I think it's very on brand for us for Hans Zimmer to win best score. Yeah, so I'll go with that. <laughs> He so could literally the, fart into a microphone and he'd still win best score for me. So he could fart into a microphone and make it sound really good. Okay, so we are we are awarding uh, best original score for twenty twenty film of twenty twenty one to Hans Zimmer for his uh, for his June music. Uh, congratulations, Hans! You can put this up next to your next to your Oscar. Um, who knows? He might actually win another Oscar this year. I mean, it would you know? I don't think we'll. He's always going to go down go down in history as someone who's won the awards for um, what was not his best work if you see what I mean, in terms of Oscars and things like that. But you can't change that now because Inception's already been made. You know, Interstellar's already been made and so on. Gladiator's already been made. But um, that's where we go with it. So the the next award is, let, let's let's do best cinematography. I mean, I think we can look at the films we've watched and see, you know, what had the best kind of 
you know, uh, you know who made it look the best. You know, in, in, in a you know in a year where you know Roger Deakins didn't do anything groundbreaking like you know what he did for nineteen seventeen or Blade Runner twenty forty nine or anything. But um, what did you think of the cinematography of the films you watched this year? Um, wasn't particularly blown away. Now that I think about it, um, I've put the last jewel in, and um. I really enjoyed the cinematography in A Quiet Place. Um, I think they captured the essence of an apocalyptic world nicely, but didn't overdo it like you've seen with The Walking Dead and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I put that in as well. Um, I thought, despite Spencer being quite shit, um, it was a very pretty film. Yeah. Um, very grand. So I put that in as well. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home, I put in as well. And um, have I said I've said Last Jewel. Spencer, Spider-Man No Way Home, and A Quiet Place 2. So what's my other one? Um, I'll go with House of Gucci. Yeah. I enjoyed that because it felt it felt like it kind of transported me to the era. Yeah, the colour palette of House, House of Gucci was very good, actually. So if that's the one you're putting forward, um, other than the ones that you've said, I think, I do think the cinematography for June was was wonderful. I suppose, yeah. I think he did do a lot. I mean, I again, I thought the the I think we I think we take the technical achievements of the Marvel films for granted. Actually, I think the cinematography for um, No Way Home was really really good. I mean, especially the you know the light and dark of the story was reflected quite well in the light and dark of the photography of the film. Um, I think that the ones that I would add to that um, would also be Last Night in Soho. Now I know you haven't seen that, but that looked absolutely extraordinary, right. uh, and obviously. It's it's weird, you know, giving too many awards to a film that is, that actually ended up huh. quite poorly, but the look of that film was absolutely incredible. the The lighting and the way in which different eras were brought to life, the modern day and, um, you know, in the sixties, and also two different aspects of the sixties. One is the sixties when it's been looked back upon with great nostalgia at the glamour, and I look look at Anya Taylor Joy going down that. Uh, staircase into the club and look how amazing all of that is everything seems brighter and more vibrant yeah. and then when it turns nasty um the the color schemes were absolutely incredible and uh, the cinematographer that is uh chung chung hoon uh who is uh also park chan wook's uh cinematographer who did things like old boy lady vengeance oh, okay. uh, the handmaiden which we've recently you kind watched. of see the similarities can't yeah you? and i i would I would hold out for that, but I mean, if I was going to put a couple forward, I would, I would put, I would, I would want, you know, uh, uh, the um, last night in Soho and June to be on the shortlist. So if we, if we've got those three, June, House of Gucci, and uh, last night in Soho, what are we saying? I mean, June in a sense is obviously it's a great technical achievement. The cinematography yeah. is, you know, it's 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 desert and it's great, you know, get great set design and everything else. And I think if we were going into the other things like set design and costume design and special effects and sound editing and other things, I think June would pick up a shitload of awards. I just don't think we're qualified to, to do all of those. <laughs> um, but I guess the argument for House of Gucci is that the 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 cinematography really tells the story, doesn't it? From you know early days through to like the you know the kind of light bright early days of of the beginning yeah. of the film through to the sort of the dark chilly days at the end. Um, so that's probably what you know where House of Gucci is strong. 
Um, Last Night in Soho is, it's about recreating something, isn't it? It's like a very careful, beautiful recreation of an era. Um, I can't say the cinematography told the story because I don't think the story, the story was broken in Last Night in Soho. So if you if you were going to stand up and say how Suguchi's your pick, I could go with that as well. Yeah, I just... I don't know. I just feel like it... It's the only film that I watched where I thought, yeah, I am there. I am, I feel like I'm fully present watching this. Um, and it had to do a lot of work, didn't it? It had to, like, for example, it had to take you to Jeremy Irons' house, which is like a mausoleum. It had you it had to take you to Al Pacino's house, which was like, you know, love, you know, warmer and friendly, but then has like a, a nasty undertone to it. Yeah, it had, it had to take you to fashion shows and discos and parties and, you know, Rome and Switzerland through a bunch of different eras, and all and at the same time maintain a consistent kind of look and feel to the film. And obviously, Ridley Scott is trying to you know achieve that, and obviously his cinematographer is going to be quite um, important for that. So, should we say House of Gucci? Yeah. I think we should. Okay, so the Best Cinematography Award goes to Darius Wolski for House of Gucci. Uh, congratulations, Darius. Um, this goes along with a long history of films that he's done. He's done everything from uh, Crimson Tide uh, for Tony Scott. Um, he did a par- He did the first Pirates of the Caribbean film. Uh, he's done a bunch of Ridley Scott films. Ridley Scott seems to like him, and uh, he did the Sicario sequel. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty broad and varied. Um, very odd. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at anyone. I mean, uh, Roger Deakins has done some odd films because at the end of the day, he he says, "Okay, I'll I'll photograph that, that for you." Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, uh, and uh, so cinematographers do tend to, it's you know, directors kind of have to say, I'm, "I make these kinds of films or those kinds of films." Do you, do you know what I mean? Whereas if the cinematographer says, "Where do you want the camera?" Do you know what I mean? What kind of yeah. light do you want? Yeah, I can do that. Um, so yeah, good for good for Darius. Uh, he's uh, obviously been nominated for awards before, and he, he may. Uh, you may pick up more this uh, this year. So, best cinematography goes to House of Gucci and Darius Wolski. Um, so, the next um, uh, award that I'd like us to do, mate, is best documentary feature. Because I know you watched a few last year. Yeah. Um, and I watched I watched one which was so good that I would love to put that forward as my nomination, which is Summer of Soul. Um, but you've watched more documentaries, so obviously I'd love to hear what nominees you would have uh, for hmm. the documentaries last what year. What are we calling a documentary? Not a docu-series, just like an hour-long kind of feature. As, 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 a fe- as a feature film. So, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter how long that film is, but if it has to have been kind of released as a film. And I know that's awkward okay. on documentaries because some of it is, is on Netflix and stuff. But uh, and it not, came out it can't be, last it, year, because I'm not entirely sure I watched the documentary last year that was... And it can't be multiple episodes, it's got to be a one-off. I think you did that Seaspiracy, didn't you? I don't know if that came out last year. Yeah. And the Sherpa one? I get that came out in 2015. Oh, right. Okay. Um, oh. Yeah, I really struggled with this. Um, sea Spiracy did come out in 2021, so I would pick that. Um, yeah, I mean, what else? It's came quite out? shocking. Um, quite horrible. The Alex Ferguson documentary was released last year as well. Um, yeah, the Alex Ferguson documentary was released last year as well. Um, I watched that, and the only bit that I found kind of, yeah, that's uh, obviously that was the bit when he was actually a player. It wasn't anything to do with his mm. manner because we've already heard all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I know a lot of people are talking about the Beatles' Get Back, 
that that big Peter yeah. Jackson thing, which um, haven't watched it. I can't, you know, I can't say anything about it. It's about ten hours long as well, so I don't know if that's more of a more of a docu series anyway. Yeah. I mean, would if Sea Spiracy is your pick, Summer of Soul is mine. Where do we go? Where do we go out on that? See, I've not watched all of Summer of Soul, but I did really enjoy it, so I would happily happily go along with that. Okay, let's do it. Summer of I'd Soul. I'd go with that, just because I only watched about three quarters of it, and I just because I've been so busy, I haven't, been, yeah. I haven't got around to finishing yeah, it, but it is, it is very good. Okay, let's do it. Summer of Soul. I, I imagine it's going to be on a lot of people's list of best documentary last year, Summer of Soul. I thought it was an absolutely extraordinary piece of work. Okay, so we're, we're getting into the, the, the big ones now. Um, let's talk about best director. Um, it, where people have done two films, let's just let, let's decide. We could award someone best director on the strength of having done two good films in a year, or we could say you've got to be best director for your direction of one of one of the films you made. But let's mm. throw out the nominees. What what have you got? Best director, right? Obviously, Ridley Scott because. He did House of Gucci and he did Last Duel. I enjoyed both of them, mm-hmm. so I've put him in for both. Mm-hmm. I think they were two of the best pictures of the year. Um, I I I really think A Quiet Place Part Two went under the radar. I think John Krasinski is a really talented director, so I put that in there as well. And of all the films I saw like that came out last year, a lot of them were really underwhelming. I'd, I'd go with Denis Villeneuve for June, mm-hmm. um, just because of the scale of it. That I think they, because June was such a catastrophe in the past, and to kind of rein it in and make, make it a success is a marvel in itself. Yeah, I mean, my only um, sort of uh, reservations about June is I feel like I'm reviewing half the film at the moment. Yeah. I reckon. I reckon what's going to happen with Dune is that if Dune Part Two lands and works, it's going to be like Return of the King out of Lord of the Rings. Do you know what I mean? Because Lord of the Rings, the, the first two parts of Lord of the Rings won awards here and there, and then and then Return of the King swept the board, and it was almost like a cumulative award. I think that's probably what's going to happen with Dune. Although it, I do think he's one of my nominees as well. I think he did an extraordinary job. Have you got any other nominees? Um, what have I said so far? I said Dune, Rid- Ridley, Scott, Ridley Scott, Denny Villeneuve, John Krasinski. Mm. It's hard. It really is hard to pick because of it because it has to be the films that you know were released last year. So I I was kind of struggling for a fifth one there, and um, because I suppose I'm going to put Regina King in for One Night in Miami because I know mm. there's the whole conflict of the year of the Oscars that came out. But I'd, I'm going to go with um, Regina King for One Night in Miami. I uh, I had her down as my nominee as well. I thought she did a great job. And again, people should never underrate how hard it is to take a stage play where there's shitloads of dialogue on one set and make a movie out of that. It's not as easy as it looks. And for, an, for especially... In fact, no, I'm not even going to talk about it being her, her fucking debut. I think she deserves to be just kind of um, rated on the fact that against anyone regards whether that's your first film or your tenth, she did a fine job on that. Yeah. Um, the other two I've got down is David Lowery for The Green Knight. Um, because I think, you know, we talked last year about how I, you know, I absolutely loved that film. I thought it was extraordinary. Um, and John Watts for Spider-Man No Way Home. Because okay. I, I, I actually think, you know, again, let, let's not underrate how hard it is to direct a film of that type and actually make it, you know, work. And I think, you know, we both came away from that film going, yeah, that that's, you know, you, I was getting messages from you as you kind of finished the film about how, how much you liked it. Yeah, I think what I'm going to have and, to do is I'm going to have to take away 
um, House of Gucci's Ridley Scott nomination and put John Watson as well. I think you're right. He yeah. was, um, yeah, yeah. And so, so for me, um, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, the the one that that sort of stands out for me is da- David Lowery. Um, but again, it wouldn't. It wouldn't break my heart if Regina King beat David Lowery for this award because I thought she was very good as well. It wouldn't break my heart if Ridley Scott won for Last Duel because, again, I thought he did a great job. And I thought what was especially good for Ridley Scott is that he's done, you know, it's almost like Ridley Scott this this year said, fuck it, I'm going to make my movie my way. Fuck Prometheus. Fuck, you know, doing the theatrical cut. Fuck, you know, listening to anybody. I'm going to do this this way. It's fucking R-rated in America, fucking 18 rated in the UK. It's going to be very hard-hitting. It's going to be controversial. He's going to be an 83-year-old man who fucking absolutely nails what, what women are saying about me too. So he's got his finger on the pulse. Do you know what I mean? Um, I thought fucking fair play. I thought, you know, the, the way he kind of said, I'm going to take this story. I like stories about medieval knights. I want to do the period detail. But he absolutely did a, and absolutely smashed the, you know, the, you know, the, the, the scene at the end where the, the, the trial, I'm sitting there going, God, this is just like listening to the Republicans. He made a, a medieval story current. Um, hmm. I did, I did think really Scott did an amazing job, but if you're going to, if you're going to stand up and say, cause all of this, you know, you didn't nominate David Lowry and really Scott's on the list as well. So for Gina King is your standout. Um, I could, I could, I could go with that. I know. You know what? You've actually swayed me in the complete other direction. I was going to give it to the last year, but see now that I think more about the, um, the effort that went into making um, Spider-Man No Way Home and the success that it was, I think I'm going to have to go for that. John Watts. Yeah, just because it made me want to watch all of the Spider-Man films again because it made me realise that the previous Spider-Mans have just been let down. You know, okay. John Watts is obviously a talented director and he's managed to make Tom Holland, you know, Tom Holland's a really good Spider-Man. He's kind of like, He's not the best Peter Parker because I think that was Tobey Maguire. He's not the best Spider-Man because I think that was Andrew Garfield. But uh, Tom Holland's kind of got a bit of both uh, across, in there. Across the two, yeah. I, see, yeah. I, know, I know what you mean. And you, now you, you go back and you'll watch those um, those old Spider-Man films and think, fuck me, Andrew Garfield was let down with that, wasn't he? Yeah, Andrew um, Garfield was a very, very good Spider-Man who was, who was very unlucky to be in a poor film. Tobey Maguire, I just don't like. I, just, I like Tobey Maguire now that I've seen Spider-Man No Way Home. That's he, I, I agree. He actually, came, I actually liked him a lot better in in this, and it kind of reminded me of, of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the kind of older, wiser, battered Peter Parker character that you get in that. Um, and I did think he did did a good job in that. Um, oh, totally. If I was going to talk myself into Spider-Man No Way Home, I, I tell you what. Do you remember? Do you remember we were talking about what next for Marvel? Right. Yeah, and, and I think we had previous conversations about Tom Holland Spider Man, where, where I'd said I really like Tom Holland as Spider Man, but the films that he's done have been just good. I thought he was terrific in the Avengers films and Captain America: Civil War, and I, I really liked Homecoming, and I really liked No Way Home, but it was kind of slightly light compared to, to some of the other Marvel films. And I remember yeah. saying I'd like to see a, a Spider Man film where he really has to dig deep. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Where it's a real battle. It's 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 New York. It's where he lives. It's what matters to him. Is is genuinely under threat. And I remember we were talking about what the next phase of Marvel is. And I remember you saying, I don't want it to be another kind of giant build up to another Thanos where there's always 80 superheroes, you know, together. I want it to be a big, good film that's kind of works in the world of that superhero. And all of that stuff we said, we wanted to see a from the Marvel films going forward and B from Spider-Man films with Tom Holland in our, our list was fucking checked off one by one in, in, in total in that film, wasn't it? Yeah, it's we almost like John Watts was listening. 
we've got everything we ask for. And not in a fan service way, not in a Ghostbusters Afterlife way, but in a, yes, I'm going to make this absolutely oh, fucking hit the back of the net, right? Um, by giving it everything. And I think the, the emotional kind of impact of the film, the, the contributions of Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, the, you know, the... You see, superheroes... Uh, I mean, the, the reason I like superheroes like Spider-Man better than someone like, you know, Superman who has unlimited power and Batman who has unlimited wealth. And obviously, I do love the Dark Knight films. It is a case of... The superhero has to be has to be faced with impossible choices. Do you know what I mean? Where whatever whatever they choose to do next is going to cost them something. You know, emotionally. Yeah. You know, it's just like what do I do? And I thought they did a really really nice job with that film. So, if you're going to put forward John Watts for for Spider Man, I I can get on board with that, and we can say uh, best director is John Watts for Spider Man. Yeah, I I think it's purely because it's not necessarily going to be everyone's favorite film. You're not everyone's superhero films, but if you appreciate the scale of the task that you had to do coming after, you know, mm-hmm. the Avengers saga and cycle, mm-hmm. he, it was a really well done film. Yeah. I mean, I, f- I feel a little bit bad for Ridley Scott. I mean, not that he gives a shit about the double reel awards, but it, it looks like he's not going to get um, an award for, for Best Director at, at the Oscars. He's not been nominated. Or did he, not, uh, he might win for House of Gucci, even yeah, though he should I, I, for the last year. Yeah, I think if if, it ha- if he does get a nomination in the Oscars, it's likely to be for House of Gucci, not um, not the last year, which is a shame. Um, it, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, the thing is that in, in traditionally, I mean, we're getting into our like our Oscars chat. We, we can come back to this, but traditionally, people have seen the Golden Globes as like the dress rehearsal for the Oscars. But given everything, yeah, it's given not the, always a case. Given everything that's happened with the Globes in the past kind of eighteen months, it might not be the case this time. But yeah, you know, for us, for for our, you know, for our principles, we said we were going to treat every film equally, didn't we? I think it's only fair to say that if we think John Watts has done the best job of the Marvel film, he can. Uh, he can walk away with the award and the uh, and the the book token and uh, postal order that comes with the comes with the price. <laughs> What I'd like to do next is uh, best actor. So leading actor, leading you know, leading performance by an actor in a film in twenty twenty one. And who've you got down? So I went with um, Tom Holland in Spider Man No Way Home. I feel like we saw a totally different dynamic. You know, he's grown up now. He's mm-hmm. not a yeah. he's not a dumb fifteen year old kid. He's a fully grown adult who's now got you know a lot thrown at him. Uh, but, yeah, but, really... but a fully grown adult who's only just a fully grown adult which makes it hard for him to deal with all that shit I thought it was a really nicely balanced performance in that way uh, yeah um, I can never say his name correctly so I don't want to butcher it but the guy who played Malcolm X in One Night in Miami is oh, it Kingsley um, Benadir Kingsley Benadir yeah yeah um, I thought he was very good it's probably the most realistic um, performance of um Malcolm X that we've seen, and that's going up against you know Denzel Washington. Some pretty, so you know, some pretty big hitters there. Yeah, um, yeah. even Mario Van Peebles actually in in the Ali film. I thought he did a good Malcolm X as well. Yeah, but yeah, nothing, not a patch on uh, Kingsley Bernard. I agree. I agree. I think he. I, I agree with you. I think he is the be- the best performance of Malcolm X. Um, so I put him in for it. I um. See, this is a tough one because similar to the Best Supporting Actress category and Best Actress category, I wasn't sure where to put who and where. Yeah. Um, well, given that, um, uh, what, what's her name, uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor for like like 
been in about 21 minutes of uh, of um, the Silence of the Lambs. I think you can kind of follow your own rules yeah. if you really want to. If they, if they, if they grabbed they, the film by the balls, yeah, kind yeah of exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know because. I really enjoyed Adam Driver in um, House of Gucci. I thought he was a total. He, he started off the films as kind of dweeb, and then he became really cutthroat, even to his own, you know, wife. Yeah, I, 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 like that too. I, I liked his arc in House of Gucci for the same reason. It, it, I liked the way he was kind of this happy-go-lucky, slightly hapless, gentle-spirited guy at the start on his yeah. bike with his bicycle clips. And I, I liked how you know, in in, a, in another universe, him and Lady Gaga just worked at the at her dad's trucking factory, trucking company, and had a better, happier life, right? Um, and then again, he, he turned into his dad, that cold-hearted kind of you know you know ruthless yeah. figure. And then and then and then at the end, he's kind of you know in his final scene of the film, he's back on the bike with his bicycle clips, and it looks like the weight of the world's been lifted off his shoulders. Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I think that's a perfectly valid uh, nomination for for best actor. Did you did you have any others you want to put forward? Um, I really struggled with this because. I think more films nowadays are becoming a lot more balanced in terms of male and female like on some, perform. Yeah. yeah. So I really struggled with actually getting the nominations in. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I didn't see many film new films this year. I went back and watched old films that came out, you know, years and years ago. But in yeah, terms yeah. of new films that came out, I saw Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds, but I don't think he was particularly outstanding. Um, I enjoyed Suicide Squad, but would I put... Um, Idris Elba through for Bloodsport, maybe because I like Idris Elba and I thought he was really good. Um, and what was um, the name of the 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 guy who's Joel Kinnaman? Yeah, who's sort of sort of a lead as well. He was in it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I thought they were all good. I think you know, it's uh, yeah. I, I don't think anyone when a film is an ensemble like that, it can be hard to pick anyone out anyway. Whether even if it's not a superhero film, yeah. Um. So yeah, I. It was a bit of a tough pick, bit of sure, a tough list. Sure, I mean I've got a couple of nominations in common with you. Well, well, one in common with you, which is Kingsley Benadire. I've got him on my list of best actors. I've also got Adarsh Gulrav from The White Tiger. Okay, I absolutely loved his performance. Um, you know, he's essentially sort of a you know supposedly mild-mannered you know village idiot who turns up as the driver for this rich family and ends up you know absolutely ripping up their world. I thought he played that very well. Um, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah because that film actually came out in 2021 in Britain. And he won America. Best Supporting, didn't he? But... That was bollocks. I mean, he's, he's, not, he's in the fucking title. He's, not, he's, he's in the title of the movie as he's a supporting <laughs> actor. Um, you know, and I, I did I did think about Lakeith Stansfield, uh, Stanfield as well, um, but in the end, I, I, I preferred Daniel Kaluuya's performance uh, out of them, although, I, you know, I think Lakeith Stanfield got nominations, uh, you know, last year as well. I've got Dev Patel down for The Green Knight because okay. whether you like or dislike The Green Knight, I mean, it, the whole film rests on his shoulders and I thought he did a wonderful job. Um, and I've also got uh, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami. It's another one where could you put him down as supporting actor or whatever, it's an ensemble, it's hard to pick. But you actually look at it and he's got as much dialogue as anyone else in that movie. And I thought he was tremendous. So those are my nominations. Okay. If you were going to pick one of the actors you nominated, who would it be? <sighs> It's weird because I feel like it's a bit unfair because Tom Holland has so much growth on his side because of the films he's been in. Um, but I did really enjoy his performance. Um, Adam Driver in House of Gucci. Um, we'll go for Kingsley Benadire. 
Uh, well, that's who I'd go for. Um, if you can sway me with either of your nominations, then I'm happy to be wrong. Um, I mean, obviously, I did love Del- Dev Patel's performance. I, I get the feeling that, I mean, Green Knight is the sum of its parts. It's kind of like how um, uh, 12 Years a Slave didn't won- win that many of the individual awards. Um, you know, I think it should have won cinematography, music, and kind of pretty, pretty much swept the board. And I think it should have yeah. won Best Director. And it ended up winning Best Picture because it was just so completely the sum of its parts. Um, it's almost impossible to pick out one thing that worked best out of a film sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I would, I, I, I could live with Kingsley Benadir being um, being Best Actor because like you, I thought he was absolutely tremendous. And, I, and again, he is the... While I loved Leslie Adam Jr.'s performance one night in Miami, uh, Kingsley Benadir's character is the instigator in the movie, isn't he? He's the one who's actually got them together, and he's the one who's prodding everybody yeah. and making it happen. So he's kind of he does kind of almost kind of drive drive the story. So I can go with Kingsley Benadir as well. So um, let, let's say Kingsley Benadir gets the double reel award for twenty twenty one for uh, best uh, best uh, leading performance, uh, best actor in a, in a film. Yeah, good lad, Kingsley. Some decent, a decent showing for for British uh, British films and performers so far. So n- now we come to best actress. Um, my nominees for best actress again. I've got this. I've got this. Um, this down again. I've. It's amazing how many awards that you know. Last night in Soho was nominated for on my on my you know on my list of nominations. Even though I came away thinking it was a, a, a not very good film. Um, uh, is is Thomasin McKenzie for Last Night in Soho? She she is absolutely brilliant in that film, and it's uh, she plays a kind of very repressed and seemingly mousy character who's got all sorts of hidden depths to her, uh, and it's very easy for someone to come across as whiny or annoying or passive in that kind of role, and she's none of those things. She's absolutely brilliant. Um, so she, she I, I've given her a nomination for that. I've nominated Rebecca Ferguson for Dune because I thought she was she was amazing. Okay. Um, Florence Pugh for Black Widow. Um, I really did like her. I could have thrown her into supporting actress as well because I know it's um, it's sort of Scarlett Johansson's movie, but I felt like it was a two-hander between Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson in that. Um, Lady Gaga for House of Gucci. I think that's probably that was the first nomination that you know first name on the team sheet to be honest. And Jodie Comer for The Last Duel. Um, what about you? Um... I didn't put Rebecca Ferguson down. I didn't put Florence Pugh down. I didn't put Thompson McKenzie down. So I haven't seen those films. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Jodie Comer. I had um, what else did I have? The one, one of them you just said, uh, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga for House of Gucci. Um, I I did put Kristen Stewart down for Spencer, even though the film was a bit shit. Um, yeah. I feel like she was misdirected, but she still managed to kind of come through the performance even though it was a big hot mess it wouldn't be the first time that you know someone's won an acting award where essentially the lead performance is, is the essentially the sole reason to watch the film if you see what I mean yeah um the, I feel like the director said oh Di- Diana used to do this head tilt so please do this head tilt and all the films I, all the things I didn't like about the film were all creative choices from the director yeah yeah I mean she nothing might have, that she was doing wrong she um, might have done five takes with a, a slightly better portrayal and in the edit room he takes the one where he's kind of coerced her into doing the head tilt yeah so I've put her down as well um yeah, I mean, I haven't seen Spencer, but I mean, I again, I'll, I'll... it's not great. No, I, I mean, based on review, I didn't go and see it. <laughs> yeah, um... which is not what happens in real award ceremonies. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, 
who stands out out of your nominees then? Uh, probably Jodie Comer. I would go with Jodie Comer. Yeah, so I'm. I mean, I'm going to put forward Lady Gaga as my preferred nomination out of this, and I think this is probably worth a discussion about the relative merits of the two performances. I thought Lady Gaga was an absolute force of nature in this film, and I thought, I thought she went on her own kind of character arc alongside Adam Driver in this film. I think I remember thinking she became very dislikable at a point. She you know, became a bitch yeah. when I I started out liking her for who she was, and I liked. I like the fact that she was ambitious and I like the fact that she stood up for herself and I like the fact that, you know, it's not like she came from the wrong side of the tracks because her dad still runs a successful business, but it's a successful business that gets looked down upon by the likes of the Gucci family and she just did not give one fuck and she was really kind of driven <laughs> and she kind of went all the way to the top. But at the same time, I did love the way she portrayed like... um she just had no interest in being tactful or considering other people's feelings. She became really single-minded. She became like a bulldozer who's just going to like absolutely, you know, started being being okay to screw people over. And uh, in the end, she kind of, you know, screws herself over because she just kind of loses, you know, she, she's kind of burned all her bridges she's and lost, so all, nasty, lost yeah. all her friends. And I also thought, I don't know if this is, I think this is on purpose because, I mean, I've seen Lady Gaga act in a few things now and I think she's very, very clever physically with how she presents her character i don't know if you noticed this but she kind of portrayed herself as like having a little bit middle-aged spread by the end when she's wearing her jeans that uh and, and looking a little bit older and, and and frankly having put on a bit of weight uh, as the um as the older um mrs gucci in the uh in the scene where they're you know hiring the hitman uh, don't want to give too many spoilers away and i think she it happened fucking 30 years yeah ago. i know i know she's um <laughs> I thought she did some very clever stuff with her physical, uh, you know, and, you know, everything from like costume to makeup to hair. I think she did a really nice job of just portraying her whole character really well. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I will, I strongly kind of like Lady Gaga for this award. However, if you're going to kind of absolutely talk now, talk me into Jodie Comer, I'll give you the floor. I, I could be persuaded um, Jody, to, to give Jodie Comer this award because, you know, I remember when we when we talked about this film together, I think we had nothing but praise for her. So talk, talk me into it. Um, the thing, everything you've said about Lady Gaga's portrayal of Patrizia Reggiani is, you know, is true. She was excellent. However, I'm not taking anything away from that. Jodie Comer's performance, I think, was the one that just resonated with me the most, given everything that's gone on in the past year with you know, the Me Too with specifically Sarah Everard. I think it was a very, maybe it was just the time of the year that I watched this film, but it kind of gave me a, oh, you fucker, like, you know, this is... Well, there's, this, so, there's so much of this shit happening that it was always going to be timely, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. So for me, that's where... um. That's where this like performance kind of stood out for me compared yeah. to the Patrizia uh, Gucci performance. Where okay. I just felt that you, you got the real impression that she was so powerless and helpless, or she could have been so powerless and helpless, like um, her mother-in-law. But she decided, no, fuck that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my neck out, put my husband's neck out, and yeah. Uh, I'm replaying the film in my head now while you while you say all these things to kind of remind myself of everything she did in the film. I and I do know where you're coming from. I think. In terms of in terms of technical performance as well, I think she deserves some credit for the fact that um, in the first two versions of the story that you see, because they tell the story three times basically, from Matt Damon's point of view, from Adam Driver's point of view, and then from her point of view. 
So in the in the Matt Damon version of the film, she has to play Matt Damon's version of her character. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I know Matt Damon plays a different version of his character, you know, later on in the film as well. And I, I thought Matt Damon did a terrific job, by the way. I think, you know, uh, in another year, he, he could be in some, you know, in the, 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 the award conversation for his part. Um, and then she has to play um, Adam Driver's version of her character, which includes certain, you know, gestures and words and conversations, which he tells in a certain way because he's the defendant and, and he, he tells the story, you know, in a way that kind of, you know, credits him rather than other people's version of the story. So thinking about it, she had to, she had, and again, when loving how subtly they did that film, I have to therefore give credit to Jodie Comer had to, had to sometimes at the, just in the way she kind of raises her eyebrows, she has to do that slightly differently three times to kind of get the point across in the film. So she had to do some very elegant work to, to make that, you know, succeed for the film. I do know what you're saying. And at the same time, I thought she did a very nice job of that. She's very young. She's essentially powerless, but she's got to find a way to, you know, achieve justice for herself. Um, and she portrays all of that really well with a character that could, that could have, you know, sometimes those characters can come across as either too passive or, here we go, another virtuous victim. That's not, you know, it might be true, but it's not interesting to watch, right? Uh, and she did a really nice job of just making her character very compelling. Um, yeah. It wasn't even a case of compelling. It was just the, it was, it was just perfect in every way. She did the, the performance, the way that performance should have been done. You know, it was, she was empowered, but she was also powerless at the same time. She got both of those emotions across at, okay. excellently is the way I, I, th I think the tie I think if, if I was gonna if I was going along with it I think the tiebreaker in this is going to be the fact that Lady Gargoyle's accent has wasn't always spot on and Jodie Comer did a you know not that she was doing a French accent but I think the way she the way she performed and the way her accent just kind of perfectly portrayed her character I think that's probably the tiebreaker so if, if Jodie Comer is going to win this on a, on a on a photo finish I can on live a with technicality that. yeah let's go for it Jodie Comer wins best actress for the last duel Nothing from taken away from Lady Gaga. I just feel like she could, yeah, Lady Gaga right could hide behind the accent a little bit more in her yeah, performance. And, so. I, and I think Lady Gaga is going to win some real awards that will console her for her loss in this category in the double yeah. awards. Sorry, I think, I, Lady. I think she'll Ms. be Gaga. she'll be upset now listening as she always does to the show. But I think she'll feel better in a couple of months. <laughs> did she? Did she won? Did she win um, the Golden Globe? Couldn't tell you. We'll, we'll come back to that when we talk about who won, who won Did the she? awards. No, I mean, who won the again, Golden I didn't, Globe? I didn't pay any attention. Let, yeah, let's look at it now since it's come up in conversation. They gave it to Nicole Kidman for playing oh, Lucille sure Ball did. and being the Ricardos. Which is odd. You really don't like Nicole Kidman, to be fair. It's, I have to say, it's not Gwyneth Paltrow levels of dislike. It's just levels of... She, she's given some perfectly good performances in films, but it's... It, it's not all that special, and I don't know why she's got an Oscar on her mantelpiece. <laughs> all that's left of the sort of the double reel awards, the main double reel awards, before we come to some of our own kind of special, you know, special awards that we'll kind of uh, talk about in a minute, is uh, best picture, best film of the year. Uh, so, what, what, what are your nominations for, uh, for for Best Picture? Uh, Last Duel, House of Gucci, A Quiet Place Part 2, Spider-Man No Way Home, 
and one night in Miami. You can have a few, can't you? Or is it only five you're allowed? Um, well, at the well, we can have as many as we want. It's our awards show, um, and the Oscars has about ten. So then I'd throw in Dune as well, just because that was quite a remarkable achievement. Um, what else did just... you say? Uh, you say one night in Miami was one of the ones you said, wasn't it? Yeah. So in addition to what you've said, I've got the Green Knight. Okay. You said the last duel, which was on my list, and you said all the others on my list, like Spider Man No Way Home. Um, I'm going to make the case for the Green Knight, and I don't think I'm going to win this argument in the same way that I don't <laughs> think Green Knight is going to win the Oscar for Best Picture or many other awards this year. I think Green Knight is hands down the best film I saw last year. I thought it was an absolutely incredible achievement. It was a wonderful film. It did absolutely everything it was meant to for me. I absolutely loved every aspect of that film. I thought it was tremendous. I also acknowledged when I reviewed it with you on the on the podcast when it came out was it's definitely the kind of film that some people really don't like. You know, I, it's 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 got a rating of six point two on IMDb because it's yeah, either it's either getting didn't get it. it's either getting like ten out of ten or two out of ten and it averages out. And it's not just a case of not getting it. I think some people just looked at it and went, I didn't like that movie. I didn't like it, it was too slow, I didn't like what it was about, I didn't like the way it did it. I just liked all of those things in the movie. I thought it was absolutely incredible. So I'm not going to stand here and argue for the next hour and and, and, and stamp my feet and sulk if Green Knight doesn't win. I'm just saying, that, I mean, if we compare it to the way the voting works on the Oscars, often it's always a it's always got to be a combined decision. It's almost like proportional representation in an election. Oftentimes the film that wins isn't the favourite film of maybe the people who voted for it because you, you have to say, who, what's your best film? What's your worst film? And a film that's absolutely incredible and loved by some people and hated by others because it, it invokes such strong reactions can suffer. And I think that's what's happened with Green Knight. I think that's absolutely incredible. Of the others, um, for me, of the others, I think it would be a three-way battle between The Last Duel, Spider-Man No Way Home, and One Night in Miami. One Night in Miami just because I think it was a really beautifully made film. Um, the Last Duel because I think I really do think Willie Scott did a fucking phenomenal job of bringing that in you know, story to life in it, in a way that it works as a medieval kind of historical drama. It works right. as a, it works almost as a thriller and a courtroom drama, and it works as a film that's about things that matter today. Um, and I think, I think he deserves some credit for not shying away either from doing it in like probably in a way that's kind of made it suffer at the box office and the awards because he's he's actually said no 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 we are going to show you the brutality of these events. Think it's too much. Yeah, but it is fucking too much. But it happened, you know. And I think I think he I think he does a brilliant job with the fact that you have to kind of use your imagination for you know a very limited medieval historical record. You know, if you want me to say how do I think that story happened, I'll say I think it happened the way Ridley Scott tells it. And at the end of that film, I was chewing my fingernails off in in the you know when the actual because obviously the film ends with a duel and we, we, you know that you know that much is you know in the title of the movie and I was I was I was absolutely gripped on the edge of my seat at the end of that so that's why I love the last duel and Spider-Man No Way Home I think it's great for all the reasons we said it was great when we you know when we said that John Watts did such a fine job directing I thought that was amazing of the ones that we've talked about together th those are the three that I think stand out I I could have you know I could make an argument for June but like I say I'm only reviewing half of a film with June I reckon next year or the year after when, when the when the finished film comes out, I'm going to be saying that that's the best film of that year and that the combined film is one of the best films of all time if Denny Villeneuve does as good a job as I think he is. But I'm not sure I can give it the best film award this year for any because it's only half time in the match. Um, yeah. So but, so I would say if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about giving the award to someone, I think it, it boils down to who do we give it to out of out of the last duel, No Way Home and One Night in Miami. 
unless I've unless I've convinced you with the Green Knight. No, you haven't. Um, <laughs> just I I enjoyed it. I just don't think it was the best film of the year. I think you know in your in your heart that it wasn't the best film of the year when you compare it to the films you've just mentioned. I think the last year was excellent for the performances and the relevance. I think Spider Man No Way Home was excellent based on the scale that it was on and how it had to approach the subject matter not the subject matter, sorry, the um the fan base, sorry is what I meant mm-hmm. to say. Um you know, quite carefully because we know what, you know, big superhero comic book nerds can be like. Mm-hmm. So I thought he did a very excellent job of that. Um, June, just because of how catastrophic previous ad- adaptations have been and how it was nice and polished, this one. One Night Miami was just excellent for, for the accurate portrayals of real life people. But if I had to give it to one, I'd probably give it to either The Last Duel or the Spider- Spider-Man No Way Home. And I just can't pick between the two. So you... If I was gonna, because we've both said those two films, I think it's down to you to pick out of those okay. two because I can't. It's tough. I'm. I I think I'd like to give it to the last duel. I think the power of that film. I mean, if you just listen, I mean, I, I love Spider Man No Way Home. I think I think they did a terrific job of that. The last duel. The. And and I had I had some amazing moments with my heart and my mouth uh, with the suspense of No Way Home and watching all of that, and there were some emotional moments in that film as well. But just you know, just the emotion of. Jodie Comer's character, when she when she finally gets to tell the story her way, you have to wait a long time, the way she had to wait a long time to for her story to be told. And uh, the emotional outpouring that comes from that, I thought was beautifully captured. I thought the the horrific treatment that she got in the in the trial, before the trial by combat, where she attends the hearing and you've got these old men talking to her like that. And I remember the, the anger that I felt. If I if I think back, the I think Last Duel is the best, the best combination of the, you know, the power of the film, the success of the film in, in, in the wider context, but also the way it made me feel at the time. I mean, I, I do, I do think the Green Knight is the best film, but if we've got to, if we've got to agree on one together, I would, I would give it to the Last Duel. Okay, I'll go with that. Okay, so with with a big fanfare and great congratulations, uh, the Last Duel uh, wins the first inaugural double reel award for best picture. Which means, which means the statuette goes to Ridley Scott because you know, as a producer, he uh, he gets oh, it. so well, pay pay attention, pay attention, Oscars. It's about time Ridley Scott was, um, you know, honoured for his work. And so I don't. Has he never won such... an Oscar for producer? He must um, have for Gladiator. No, no, he wasn't a producer. Oh, how odd! He didn't. He didn't have producer credit. So even though Gladiator won Best Picture, um, uh, he uh, he didn't get an Oscar for it. Now, and someone else got Best. Director that year was it uh, Ang Lee? For what? Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Was that that year? Fucking hell! Um, He's only ever won for. Broadback I, I, I apologise. I apologise. He was nominated for Crouching Tiger. It was actually Steven Soderbergh who won for Traffic that year. Ugh. And I'll tell you what. I remember watching it and really enjoying it. And I think Steven Soderbergh is a terrific director. But of, of the films that were meant, let, let's list the films that you know were you know, best director was uh, not nominations that year. Billy Elliot. Which I think still gets gets remembered this year because I think Billy Elliot kind of does encapsulate something. You know, the, the boy who wants to dance, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I think that does get remembered for being a remarkable historical martial arts epic. Gladiator quite rightly gets a mention, right? Stephen Aaron Brockovich gets a mention, which is another film that Steven Soderbergh directed that year. And again, that film kind of encapsulates a certain type of character. You know, the the, the you know the crusading kind of lawyer that Julia Roberts played. But Traffic, no one no one no one mentions Traffic anymore. You know, for tw- fuck tw- knows why that one. It's you know it, it didn't win best picture, but Gladiator did. But you know, tra- traffic 
was nominated for a lot of awards and was highly rated that that year. And it is a good film, but it's definitely one of those films that was really, really highly rated at the time, but it's just has dropped off the radar now because actually it's you know, it, it hasn't hasn't left any impression on the on the on the mind, you know? Jesus. So yeah, Ridley Scott has never won an Oscar, you know, even though for best director, you know, they they weren't giving, you know, director Oscars for um you know horror films so he wouldn't he wouldn't have won for alien blade runner was compromised on release so he didn't win for that um thelma louise he was nominated but didn't win you know you know he's he's done an amazing job at times and not and, and not ended up not winning when he when he deserved to so it is quite sad that despite directing two films that deserve being in the conversation i th- i've got a feeling he's not going to win this win, year yeah. they're all you know we'll come to the oscar chat later it's a shame but there you go he's, he's what he, we've given him an award so there you go we, we've done the right thing so yeah now let's come to some awards that you know aren't sort of typically given out by the the uh, the big prestigious award ceremonies at the Oscars and Cannes and the Venice Film Festival and so on, but that we'd like to give out. Um, I'll, I'll do one, and then you can kind of throw one out. We can you know we can go from there and see you know kind of films that we want to kind of, you know awards want to give out. I'd like to give out for an award for film that I most wished I actually seen last year but didn't get around to. So the biggest, right. the biggest, the biggest miss, the film I got, I wish I'd seen that. And okay. uh, my nomination for that is Pig. Yes. The Nicolas Cage film. No, I agree. Um, didn't get a chance to see it. It just seemed right up our street, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the other one that I was thinking about for this was Riders of Justice, which is a Mads Mikkelsen film and got amazing reviews. And I was like, oh, that sounds really good. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, you know, you can't, when, when you're us and we've got jobs and we do our podcast and we watch the films we can, you can't get to see everything. And I was disappointed I missed that. But Nicolas Cage is a truffle hunter whose truffle hunting pig is kidnapped and has to be <laughs> rescued. I wish I'd, I, I mean, I will, I will see it. I'll get round to it. I'll, I'm going to make a point of seeing it. But yeah, it's the film I most wished I'd seen that, that I kind of feel I missed out on now. Have you got any anything you'd like to name ahead of that? Um, I hadn't, hadn't properly thought of Pig, but... I mean, do you do you recall anything else that came came out last year that you kind of just felt you know a little bit? Oh, I wish I, I wish I'd got around to seeing that, and for whatever reason you you didn't, couldn't, whatever. I I want to say um, I want to say that last night in Soho now because I'm not a big fan of horror, and I know you had mixed opinions about it, but you've also kind of waxed lyrical about the performances and the. Um, Cinematography, so I might have to give that a shout from behind the sofa. It is, it is two thirds of a brilliant film. It falls apart. It falls apart in the final act, but it is interesting that when I was thinking about who gave the best performances, who did the best cinematography, and if we were talking about editing and costume design and, and all these other things, I, you know, it would have been in the conversation for that as well. I mean, it's a, it's a terrible shame that it didn't do as you know, it didn't you know deliver on its promise, but. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm going to say, given given Nick what Nick Cage means to us and and to to <laughs> the world of film, I, I'm I'd I'd like to give this inaugural to Pig if that's all right with you. Yep, I'm fine with that. Do it's that. Have you have you got any? You know, uh, uh, I mean, I, I I wrote down a couple, so I can uh, I can do yeah, a couple. Right I can do a couple more while you what you know. But please do speak up if inspiration strikes you. Yeah, with an award you'd like to kind of yeah. give. Yeah. I think we should, should we just do our Razzies next? Um, we can come to that, um, but I just wanted to I just wanted to say um, uh, the next award is most outrageous attempt to steal the whole film from the main stars. 
just I do like it when someone says, you know what, I am gonna I'm gonna draw everyone's attention to my performance here, and uh, I know you all came to see the big star and the big special effects and the big action, but you're gonna be what I'm talking about at the end of the movie. Uh, and my nominations for this are Anna Diarmas for uh, No Time to Die. I thought she was tremendous, and you know she only has a supporting part in the early part of the film, but I thought she really made a big impression. Uh, Aquafina for Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. I thought she did a really nice job. I think comedy sidekicks, especially, you know, female ethnic comedy sidekicks, you could come away thinking, oh, here we go, you know, on the sidelines again. But actually, she pretty much stole the film under everybody in that movie. She's very, very funny and very, very clever performance. And uh, Willem Dafoe for Spider-Man No Way Home, which is kind of spoiling the plot all the way way over. But I thought Willem Dafoe was absolutely balls out in that film. And uh, despite being over 60, insisted on doing all his own stunts, by the way. Oh, my God. Um, and I thought he was tremendous as well. So between that, though, it would be between those three for me to say who who you know stole the movie. You mean in a good way? Yeah, yeah. Because I like, thought you were going to say Jared Leto. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it's it's in, a, in a good way. It's when you come away thinking, um, you know, it's like it's like a super sub performance in a game of football. Do you know what I mean? It's like giving man of the match to someone who came on in the, in the last ten minutes because they changed the game. You know. Got you. You got any any anyone from the films you watched that you'd like to to chuck in for that? Uh, Sylvester Stallone for uh, Suicide Squad. I could get on board with that. I could get on board with uh, Sylvester Stallone in the Suicide Squad. I thought because nobody expected terrific. it. Yeah. No. Um, we can go Sylvester Stallone if you like. I, I mean, I, I mean, no, I, that's, that would just be a nomination. Okay, of mine. that's a, can... that's a nomination. All right, well, let's let's put him down as a nomination, and then we can talk about it. Um, anyone else that you wanted to kind of throw out for that? Who stole the show that I didn't expect it? Expect them to. Uh, nah, the ones you've named of all are all kind of spot on. I would also put a, an honourable mention in for the lastie who played 007 in No Time to Die as well as Anna de Armas. Um, and Shana Lynch. Yeah. Yeah, let's put her down as well. I thought, yeah, I mean, she, uh, yeah, I thought she uh, made a good impression as well. And it's a lot, a lot of, du- apart from Sean Bean in Goldeneye, a lot of a lot of people who've played the other double O agent in a movie have, have been pretty thankless, haven't they? So the fact that she, she uh, did quite well with that role is uh, yeah, it's worth giving her some credit. Correct. So who, who do you like? Who do you like out of those? I don't. Uh, did you watch? Did you watch Shang Chi? No, I didn't bother. Okay. Well, uh, given that this is a consensus-based award show, let's like you know, I, I, I'm, I'm giving a shout out to Aquafina, but let, let's get a consensus okay. on this. We both watched in uh, No Time to Die, so you know those nominees can be for, you know for both of us. We both watched Spider Man No Way Home. We both watched the Suicide Squad. Who who do you think made the biggest impression? Uh, impression. Well, you know, in terms of stealing the films. No, I'm just... Show from everybody else. Hmm. Anna de Armas was very good, but I don't think she stole the film. I don't think anyone was speaking about her when the film ended. Just kind of after a couple of hours went, oh, yeah, she yeah, was Yeah, yeah, to, to be fair, so, so many other things happened in the film that uh, it's kind of hard to, to kind of say that the, the, first, the first act in Cuba is all people are talking about. Today. Yeah, so... I mean, I think William Dafoe had a big kind of ending in the movie. Uh, Go with that, and, and I think Stallone as 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 the shot as King Shark was pretty impressive. You, you like to give it to William Dafoe? No, I'll give it to William Dafoe just because that film was excellent, and it's not won enough awards. And it's always nice to see William Dafoe in full Green Goblin mode. Oh, <laughs> fucking unbelievable, man, wasn't it? How good was that film? Yeah, like. People like Toby Maguire now. That's, yeah, well, uh, we'll have to do a little wiki of our um, of the uh, of the awards we get out. And, you know, who's who got the most nominations and who won the most awards? And Spider Man No Way Home is going to be well represented, isn't it? Too right. 
we are now on to like our Razzies. So do you want to talk about the worst film? Worst film we watched? And this is, you know, this is worst films that we watched that were released last year. Uh, you know, should we just do it kind of impulsively? Just yeah. name the shittest film each? Because yeah. yeah. that means it gets a nice bit. Oh, Spencer. You see, I'm not sure. I mean, the films that, you know, the, the, the I didn't like of the ones that I went to see last year, you could probably say Candyman, you could probably say No Time, uh, um, Last Night in Soho. But out of both of those, you know, I nominated Last Night in Soho for a bunch of awards, and I didn't really hate Candyman. I think there were still good things in it. So even though I haven't seen Spencer, I didn't hate anything I watched enough to call it the worst film of last year. Spencer I'm, was I'm more than happy to go with Spencer. Spencer was just, because it just made it, it was like a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. It was fucking nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so Spencer wins worst film. We'll be sending the producer and director of that film a copy of Nigel Farage's autobiography as punishment. <laughs> um, what film was your biggest disappointment? Let's do biggest disappointment out of the Razzies. Ooh. Out of films that you were going to see, were expecting, you know, to be blown away and ended up going, no, nah, wasn't, you know, ended up not liking that. I would go with oh, I'd have to go with Spencer again. I know, I know. I feel like I'm picking on it. No, no, this is the thing, though. I mean, if you were going in, I mean, I remember, I remember we talked about it on the podcast, and I said I saw the trailer for Spencer, and it looked shit. And you said the the, the reviews are absolutely amazing, though. I mean, it, everyone is talking about this in yeah. rapturous terms, and so I think you went in expecting a, a much better film than you ended up seeing, right? Yeah, um, yeah. For for me, um, I mean, I thought for a bit about the harder they fall. But what I would say here is, my disappointment with the harder they fall is is probably quite unfair on the film, um, because um, I love the interview with the um, uh, with the director of the movie. He came on Kermode Mayo's show. And he's a, he's a fucking brilliant guy. Look look out for that 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 podcast uh, version of that episode of of um, uh, of Kermit Mayo because he is brilliant that director um, and it's probably my fault yeah because having listened to that and what the idea and the intentions of the film were I kind of I had this kind of sneaking hope we were going to the next kind of Tarantino slash Sergio Leone reinventing the western and that's probably completely unrealistic expectations so the fact that it was only a film that I still quite enjoyed it's probably not fair to call it a disappointment, if you see what I mean. So I ended up not nominating that. The, the films that I did nominate for that um, uh, are Candyman, because uh, I, I, I do think that was a letdown, uh, and uh, Last Night in Soho. Uh, just, to, just to finish on what I was talking about, James Samuel is the, the writer and director of How Do They Fall, and I do think he's a brilliant guy, and I do want to see other films he does. So I didn't, Bring that down as a as a as a uh, as a disappointment. So the nominations we've got are Candyman, Last Night in Soho, and Spencer. I mean, my argument for Last Night in Soho, despite the fact that I've nominated for some awards for the quality of the film, is that it really does fall apart in the in the last act. And my disappointment with the film, kind of the first hour, I was not in, in the least disappointed. I was going, "This is brilliant! This is tremendous! Edgar Wright's fucking done it again!" Uh, and then in just the final kind of. 40 minutes of the film it really turned quite shit um but having said that i still loved large parts of the film Candyman probably is a disappointment and the reason it's a disappointment is a big fan of the original film when i heard that it was going to be near da costa and uh uh you know co-writing and directing 
uh, with some help from Jordan Peele, who you know is is a good kind of you know mark of quality on films of this nature, and the way that they wanted to kind of update the story of Candyman uh, to be relevant for, for for now, I thought, yeah, all up on board with all of that. Let's do it. Let's see it. And the film was a real damp squib, so that's why it's my biggest disappointment. Having said that, I'm still talking about a film that I, it was a, it was okay. So my nominations for biggest disappointment are still films that are okay, whereas your nomination for Spencer is what you know you ended up calling your worst film. Yeah, I just think it was such a letdown because it just played into you know kind of tropes that we've associated with Diana over the years of the head tilt and all that kind of looking down awkwardness kind of thing, and it didn't really delve any further than that. Yeah. That, well, in terms of cinematically, no. In terms of Kristen Stewart's performance, yes, yeah, she was doing all of it, but it was nothing that the director did. It was. Yeah, just pathetic. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I can be persuaded that Spencer gets biggest disappointment. When, I don't when, mind you picking. I think you should go with Last Night in Soho just because I picked this for, you know, worst. All right, let, let's say that. Let's call that Last Night in Soho, and it'll, it'll be remarked upon about what an unusual awards night it was that Last Night in Soho is nominated for a bunch of awards in the main categories and still gets a Razzie. I think that's that's quite fitting, actually. So, <laughs> Last Night in Soho wins biggest disappointment. I'm not the only person, hand, I don't think we're the only people handing out this award. A lot of people ended up being disappointed. It's got, it's, other people did love it, though. There are people out there who absolutely love the movie. Um, so, we come to worst acting performance. Let's not split it into actor and actress. Let's just say worst acting performance in a film we watched last year, and you know what nominations would we give for that? Worst acting performance in... I, I, mean, I, I have two nominations. One is Ray Winstone for Black Widow. <laughs> and the other is Jared Leto. Ja- Jared Leto. There you go. Move on. Next. Yep. Don't okay, need to we'll talk about his, you don't need to talk about him playing fucking Mario in House of Gucci. I, where he I, basically I, cuts I, about like a plumber. Despite part of the problem with Jared Leto's performance being his accent, I do think Ray Winstone should win worst accent. Because while, you know, Jar- while Jared's, Jared Leto's accent is completely inappropriate, it is he is ac- he, he does do an accurate depiction of Mario, whereas Ray Winston is trying to do Russian and comes out yeah, Cockney. He's meant to be playing Paolo Gucci, not meant to be playing Super Mario. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I think we can be we can be we can be unanimous that Jared Leto wins uh, wins the double real award for worst actor. I think I just hate Jared Leto. I don't like him either. You know, I I I have to say I'm completely on Edward Norton's side in Fight Club. When he just keeps punching him, it <laughs> doesn't want to stop punching him. I think there's a lot. I got a lot of sympathy for that. It all um, makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's just a just one more thing that I'd like to kind of do. I wondered if you'd like to kind of join in with uh, with me on this and say, uh, aside from the films that we've given awards to, or or actually, let, let's just throw the floor open. Um. I'd like to sort of consider what 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 would we call the best film that we watched um, for the podcast features. Just this is our this is the double real special oh. award. They weren't released last year, but we watched them last year on the podcast. Um, so if anything stands out that you know anything that we watched for, I mean obviously the remake hate watches aren't going to get in there, but we watched some hidden gems and uh, it's mostly the hidden gems and the classics, right? Because, you know, I, I did watch some John Carpenter films as part of a little project, but not counting those. We decided to do a feature on here's a hidden gem, here's a classic. Which ones, having done that, you know, stand out as being the, the best ones that we did? I would go with The French Connection. Yeah? 
I mean, I'm, I've got a longish list of uh, of nominations <laughs> here. I've got Train to Busan. I thought that was terrific. That was okay. I'll have I'll have that for my hidden gem and for my classical have French connection. Just so we okay, can have to. all right, that's all right. So let's see what are the hidden gems here. We did Cross of Iron, which I do love. We we did One Night in Miami, but we did give that. We've done that for the main that's awards. Given, yeah. We did Hell or High Water. Um, for the that classics, we did Seven Samurai, but to be fair, you didn't like Seven Samurai. Just went on for fucking days. We did Dread for the Hidden Gem. We did Wajir for the Hidden Gem. We did Eve's Bayou for the classic. But if you're saying Train to Busan for the Hidden Gem and French Connection for the classic, I can I can get on board with that. We can we can give a dual award. We can give a joint award to Train to Busan and French Connection. Yeah, cool. Let's do it. William Friedkin would be very pleased. You know, not that he's. I think he's won enough awards in his career to not worry too much about this one. But, is he uh, still alive? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's about 80 now. Fucking hell. He's, I mean, he's not as old as you'd think because he was directing those films when he was quite young. He was a bit of a, a, bit of a like, precocious whiz kid. So, just in, in, in the time that we've got left, um, why don't we just have a little chat about what we think is going to happen on, on the Oscars? I mean, the Golden Globes happened. Um, the only real news from the Golden Globes that I think it's worth noting is that prior to the Golden Globes um, actually being awarded, Belfast, the new Kenneth Branagh film, was absolutely showered with nominations. Yeah, and, it did go fucking bananas, didn't it? And in the Oscar, the, you know the Oscar odds are kind of quite dynamic, but when the Golden Globes nominations came out and they were waiting for the awards to be handed out, that made Belfast like the 5-2 to two favourite to win Best Picture at the Oscars, because I think people set a lot of store by what happens at the Golden Globes. And then when it didn't win hardly anything at the uh, at the Golden Globes, I think it might have gotten one to support an actor thing or something. It's kind of fallen by the wayside, and it's not even one of the um, uh, what you might call it the uh, uh, the it's like seventeen to one or something now. So it's really weird that Belfast, on the one hand, was everyone's pick, and then a week later has, has been forgotten about. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I can't comment. But uh, I mean, the the the, the big the big um, favourites at the moment for um, Best Picture are Power of the Dog and West Side Story. Actually, Belfast is still up there. I think I think it's Kenneth Branagh who's dropped out of the uh, the director rec- reckoning. But everyone's talking about Power of the Dog, which is a Jane Campion film. I think she's really overrated, but everyone is raving about that film. I think it's the one with Benedict Cumberbatch. I think I've seen. I don't think she's. I think I've seen anything she's done. She did the piano. If you ever saw that. Oh, the fucking film that what have been Anya Anna Packin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With um, Holly Hunter, yeah. Holly Hunter sort of completely unjustly beat Angela Bassett for Best Actress that year. Uh, and uh, it's got um, Harvey Keitel attempting quite badly to do a Scottish accent. Um, He's wearing Maori tattoos and doing a bad Scottish accent, you, and they went, "Oh, we'll never, give that an Oscar." You never know. Um, I don't like the idea of West Side Story winning, so I don't think it was actually that good. Hmm. Um, Licorice Pizza is one of the favourites, and I, I, you know, I love that. Uh, I would, I would, I'd never say no to a Paul Thomas Anderson film winning Best Picture. Yeah, um, um, and Bel- Belfast is in the uh, Belfast is in the running as well. I think the Power of the Dog is going to win it because it tends to be the drama that wins over the. Yeah, and it's got it's got the kind of it's got the kind of weight behind it. Yeah, um, favourite to win Best Actor looks like uh, Will Smith. Smith. He seems to have completely nailed that on. Best Actress at the moment is Kristen Stewart. Appears to be the favourite on that. She's uh, the really? o- odds odds checker kind of combined betting odds. This is obviously only UK bookmakers have got her as low as six to four, but like on average about it's like two to one. Uh, average about two to one. Nicole Kidman's in the conversation. 
Lady Gaga is at about 10, 12 to 1. She's kind of slipped out of the slipped out of the odds a little bit. Jodie Comer's not on the on on the radar for that at all. I suspect possibly because that the award ceremonies can be a bit weird for this. They can sometimes say um, uh, let's let's give them like they did with uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. They, I think everyone went uh, what's it? Um, uh, Chadwick Boseman is nailed on to win Best Actor for you know posthumous reasons, even though it's by no means his best performance. So let's let's stay out of the way of that juggernaut and, and nominate our people for supporting actor. And I'm just wondering if Jodie Comer comes up in that conversation. God, she doesn't. Last I jewel, last jewel has been completely Emma Stone overlooked. as Cruella. Yeah, the, the, again, these are these are just these are just kind of the the betting odds, which mean absolutely bugger all. I mean, but this is what people are you know going to their bookies and kind of betting on, you know, going online to their bookies and, and betting. Um, best animated film that is talking about Encanto being the Encanto's best. Encanto's going to win that. Um, best director, Jane Campion or Kenneth Branagh could be either, but I think it'll be Jane Campion. Ridley Scott is twenty five to one. He's really sort of out, and Spielberg is Spielberg's looking like the strongest in the in the betting odds at the moment. Denny Villeneuve's in the conversation. Kenneth Branagh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, uh, we'll see. I, I think that I, that personally, I think that's harsh on Ridley Scott. I think he, you know, you know, I think he, even if he were to get nominated for House of Gucci, which isn't the best film he did that year, I think it would be, um, you know, it would be some justice in it. And supporting actor, they're talking about Cody Smith McPhee. I think, uh, I think he's in. Um, uh, Power of the Dog. I'm not really sure. Um, Kieran Hines is in there. Jared Leto's in the betting for supporting actor, which that makes me angry. Um, Gross, isn't it? Um, and best documentary feature is um, Summer of Soul is looking like the strong favourite there. Um, I have to say, the, the Oscars this year look a little bit more like a normal Oscars year, whereas last year looked very different. It's kind of like because no one went to the cinema in twenty twenty. The, the 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 voting and the kind of the kind of films that were nominated in one was slightly different because you didn't get the chance to kind of see a film be absolutely taken to the audience's heart like they sometimes are. Do you know what I mean? When one film is like a real sleeper hit and everyone goes, "Oh yeah, all right, then we'll nominate that." It was it was very much down to like the critical consensus and what the what the Oscar voters went with, and I think a lot of films won that are. Uh, a little bit less likely, you know, it felt like the most kind of Oscar-y Oscar wins, you know, and nothing that kind of worked with an audience got a look in, you know, just because of the way 2020 went. This year looks a bit more like a normal Oscars year because we did actually have people going to the cinema, didn't we? Yeah. So I, I, th- I think that's it. I think for me, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to look past the power of the power of the dog just because of the, the critical consensus that's coming out. I think I often find in this that the reason that they, they always stack the end of the year with um the, the oscar contenders yeah. and i end up i end up watching the films that have been nominated for all the oscars in like january february march the only big oscar contender really that i've i've watched is licorice peach because it came out you know just in the new year um so you know all, all, all i think we say about the oscars it does look a bit more like a normal year you know there's a the couple of big films there like west side story and there's a couple more of the familiar actors are kind of on best actor and you know so it's a bit more of a familiar year, um, but we'll just have to see. I mean, between between now and the Oscars actually coming out, we've got an, at least one more episode of Double Reel. So it'll probably come up in the news roundup who gets nominated, and then we can talk a little bit more about who we think is going to win, right? No. Cool. Very good. 
Okay, well, thank you for joining us for the inaugural uh, Double Reel Awards. I think uh, we will post on here our uh, our awards. We'll probably put it on Letterboxd as well, and we'll post it on the socials, the full list of films. Um, and we'll, you know, we will notify people of the, of the awards that they've won. Uh, see who turns up in my house to actually collect their prize. That'd be interesting. Um, but other than that, thank you very much for listening, and uh, we will see you next time. That's all for this month's episode of Double Reel. Thanks for listening and for making it all the way to the end. Thanks also to my co-host, James Adamson. The podcast was edited on Audacity and hosted on Anchor FM. We are grateful for their continued support. The music was Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod. The Fisher King is available on all disc formats and digital platforms. Barry Levinson's unrealised project The Captain and the Shark is best covered in an online article which we will share on our socials. The full story of the incident itself is told in the documentary USS Indianapolis, The Legacy. Outside of Double Reel, you can find us both hosting a non-film related podcast The Adamsons Versus. A new episode will be released soon called The Adamsons Versus The 11 Year Old Superhero. So this is me James Adamson signing off and this is me James Adamson signing off. Our next episode will be our regular episode 22 next month. Keep an eye out for any special episodes we decide to do in future. If you enjoyed this podcast please like and subscribe and tell your friends. Until next time stay safe, watch lots of films and may your life be as awesome as you pretend it is on social media. I don't have a Hans Zimmer sign-off, but I do have one thing. Deliveroo, I'm coming for you.